0: And we are going. So, Chip, how are you doing, sir?
1: Uh, all things considered, with the uh, the world falling down around us, I'm I'm doing okay. How about you, Steve? Well, you know,
0: I I gotta say, if if you don't hear him, I got you know my my son in the background talking to talking to mom. He uh, I don't know what he's doing, whatever. But you know, it's just been it's it's been I think like hectic and stressful but not for, not for the reasons that you would think. I think it's just, you know, we're, we're in a smaller home, so we don't have Mm -hmm. any way of, of doing social distancing from each other. And I think, I think we could just (laughs) use that sometimes, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, otherwise, I I, I, I mean, it's, it's fine. We're, we're doing good. It's been, it's actually been really neat having the kids home all the time, being able to do different things with them and not having to worry so much about bedtimes and, you know, waking my daughter hmm. up at six in the morning to get on a bus. Like, I mean, there, there are That's some true.
1: positives.
0: There are some positives.
1: That, that That is a good way to find a silver lining in all of this. Yeah. Yes. So
0: uh, do you, do you have kids there? or
1: well, so it's interesting. I have a, a daughter who is graduating college uh, in May. This is uh, April while we're recording this, and oh yeah, uh, you know she's one of those that uh, you know, I, if she weren't a senior in college, it would kind of be just an extended, you know, I don't know, online learning semester. But mm-hmm. so she's come home. They 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 had you know they evacuated the school, and and it was kind of one of those. Um, you know, all of this kind of hit around spring break for a lot of colleges, and so a lot of them just kind of extended the spring break for a little bit while they were trying to figure out their plans and everything, and what hers did is they came back from spring break, uh, if I remember right, and they kind of went right into a couple of weeks of e-learning was what they were going to be doing. Uh, and then, so everybody kind of you know had that mindset, and, and they kind of, uh, you know, either didn't come back to campus after spring break, or if they did, they were only there for a little bit and they had to go back to where their respective homes were. And then all of a sudden they got a a notice from the school that, uh, no, nobody's going to come back this year. Uh, and Oh yeah, you need to move all your stuff out of your dorm room, uh, in the next 10 days, but you need to schedule a time because we're only going to allow five people in each dorm at any given time for social distancing. Uh, so it, it, it's been kind of weird. I mean, it's been great having her home, but I kind of, I feel bad for her because she never really got to say goodbye to a lot of her classmates that, you know, she spent four years in college with, didn't get to say goodbye to a lot of her professors. Um, they're still doing classes. They're still doing the virtual stuff, but it's, you know, it's not the same.
0: No, it's it's not. I mean, it's, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, being able to to go give your, your friends that you've made over the last four years, your professors, just everyone Give them a hug and be able to say, you know, I appreciate, you know, all the times we've had and deuces, you know, anything like anything would be better than than what's happening right now. And uh, I got to say, that's that's kind of a concern for me with with my daughter. She um she goes to a school she's in she's in junior high and they might not go back. So if, if they don't go back this year, I mean, you know, she, she gets to see the, the teachers in uh Google classroom for video stuff, but again, it's, it's just not the same. Like she's actually really close to some of her teachers and even the principal. And you know, I'm, I'm sure they're all a little disappointed that they don't get to spend hours every day with, with each other. And, you know, experience the, the attitude and sassiness and and everything that comes with having a teenager in the room. And then also the, the, the hugs and joy that comes with it. So. Yeah. And
1: and there's just a lot of life lessons that come with that too. You know, the learning to get along with other people and being in an environment with other people and and being, you know, in different kinds of stressful situations and, you know, emotional situations and all the stuff that comes from growing up and Mm -hmm. it'll be, I guess interesting to see what kind of happens with this, with all these generations, uh, you know, when they have this little blip in their development cycle, you know, that they Mm. grew up normally until such and such. And then they had six months or whatever it winds up being at home with mom and dad and and the siblings or whatever. And um, yeah, it'll be, I'm sure this will be studied for for a long time to come. So
0: I got to ask with, with you doing um, bigger brains, do you have any any new fun resources for what what's happening all this covid nineteen stuff that's happening right now
1: um sort of so we when all this started happening we you know we had a lot of debates internally on you know what can we do to help? I think most companies had that kind of conversation either what can we do to help or what can we do to survive? Uh, or both, you know, depending on the nature of the company. Uh, And there's a lot of training companies that are putting out material specific to COVID-19 and and coronavirus, Um, you know, how to protect yourself, how to social distance. Um, We we thought for a while about doing a, a funny course on the new way to do a handshake, you know, things like that. And ultimately decided that it wasn't our strength internally, and, and and by the time we actually produce something that would be fun, uh, it would be you know weeks out of date, if not months out of date, because it takes us a while to do things, sure. Um, but we do have a lot of experience on the software side, clearly, that's our strong point. I mean, you know, we win awards for our Microsoft stuff, and with the whole world kind of moving to Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts and, and Zoom and that sort of thing. We felt like that was where we could offer the most help. And so uh, we did a couple of things. We, we took, we have two Microsoft Teams courses uh, team, uh, Mastering Teams and Teams Essentials. We took the shorter one, the Teams Essentials course, and we made it free on YouTube. Oh, that's great. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's been really popular. Um, it's actually blown up our, our YouTube channel. The weirdest thing about our YouTube channel, we have one video that we made when we launched Bigger Brains, which was back in 2012, which if you remember in the 2012, 2013 era, that's when Windows XP was going away. And so we made a funny video with a a local comedy troupe on the end of life for Windows XP. And that video uh, still gets thousands of views a day uh, to this very day. Um, I get constant streams of comments from mostly school kids uh, you know, talking about watching this Windows XP video. So that's been like the dominant one on our YouTube channel forever. Well, now those free teams ones are starting to, to creep up, which is nice. Uh, we also reached out to some of our friends in the training industry who um, who do more of the soft skills and, and safety kind of training. And they were offering some free COVID-19 uh, pandemic prevention, pandemic preparation kind of courses. And we asked them if we could make those available to our MSP partners to offer to their clients. And they very generously said yes. So so we do have their stuff available for our MSP partners to use. Um, but then the, the, the what we've contributed is the, the free teams training on YouTube. That's probably been the biggest thing. And we've also started doing some live training on Tuesdays. That was the other thing we, we looked nice. at is, you know, all all these people that are now suddenly working from home that have never had to work from home before. Uh, You know, we've got a lot of experts, especially on the Microsoft products, but also on Google and some other stuff. So we reached out to them and said, Hey, what if we did a live training session every Tuesday Um, to pick a time? Uh, Would you guys be willing to come on and do 20 minutes of training on some topic you think will be useful for you? people who are suddenly working from home and then just be open to Q and A on anything that these people have to ask questions about anything they're struggling with, any problems they're having working from home, whatever. And we've had a huge outpouring from our, our teachers, which has been great. So we did uh, uh, a PowerPoint online uh, was our first one two weeks ago. Last week we did Microsoft teams with uh, Amy Babinchak from uh, Harbor computer services and third tier. She's kind of a, a legend in the it channel. She. Did a great job with Microsoft Teams. Tomorrow we're doing uh, OneNote with uh, Robert Crane, another Microsoft MVP from Australia. Uh, so yeah, we've got you we know we have a series of those lined up that'll run uh, at least to the end of April and, and probably for a good bit longer. So, That's so a amazing. few things we're doing.
0: So I've got uh, uh, your YouTube. Here's a, a tab with with bigger brains. This is lesson one of five. So it looks like you might have maybe an hour or a little more or a round, I should say, of Teams training for Microsoft Teams Essentials. And that's something that we could probably even share right to our our clients, to the end users. And that would be a great foot in the door for, for those MSPs that are like, you know, I'd love to offer training to my clients, but I don't even know how to get them excited about it. Well, hey, right here... There you go man there's some there's some teams essentials training and and I'll ask this um, <clears throat> there's been a lot of changes with teams over the last know, month or so so does does this mm-hmm. cover any of that new stuff or is this I'll call it older training
1: <laughs> you know the problem with with teams and office 365 and anything that's cloud related is within a month it's outdated Uh, So we update it all at least annually. We're actually going through the process now to update our bigger Teams course uh, for um, 2020. Um, So the the short course, the the Teams Essentials course that's on there, it doesn't have some of the newer stuff like uh, private channels or tags uh, or the changes in moderation. But it's for that course, it doesn't need to because that course is really designed to be a quick you know, get up to speed. Here's the difference between you know chats and, and conversations. Here's uh, what teams and channels are. Here's how you have a, a call. Here's how you set up a meeting. Um, you know, the basics to, to get them in and get them comfortable. Uh, so sure. we spend two lessons on that. I think it's about fifteen minutes or so on that, and then the last three uh, lessons are about twenty minutes, actually, on best practices. Uh, so we do cover a little bit of the newer stuff in there because that, that, those modules are slightly newer. But overall, uh, you know, we were looking at, at do we need to redo that one, and most of the stuff that's been added doesn't really change the content there. The screens would look slightly differently, you and know, the menus are slightly better now and stuff. But the content's sure. the same, so I don't think we're really so, changing
0: So with the Teams Essentials, it's not like you're teaching people how to uh, connect to Teams. Two two different tenant teams together, and and more of the the complex stuff. You're literally just saying, "Hey, here's how you get into Teams and how you use Teams within your organization." Right, so, you so guys can work from home.
1: Yeah, it, it's I, you know again, what I learned early on um, when we started Bigger Brains, I, I learned that that not everybody has my brain, uh, which is probably good, and not everybody likes training the same way that I thought people would like training. But my thought in the early days was that if we were going to teach a course, um, it needed to cover everything. It needed to be super comprehensive. So if you look at the courses we released for like Excel and Word and PowerPoint back in 2012 and 2013, um, they're good courses, but they're 12 to 14 hours long, some of them. And That's a, that's a long time. Uh, it's okay if you're going into – it's a long time. That's that's you know that's a long commitment to make to it to to an online training course, and uh, what we found is that there's a place for that, but that most people prefer something shorter and more targeted, mm-hmm. and so th- that's kind of what we what we do more often now. We don't do those giant courses anymore, uh, and so with Teams we have two. We have the short course Teams Essentials, which is, hey, your company started using Teams, you need to get up to speed and get comfortable with it in less than an hour. Here you go. And, that, that's know, awesome. and then we have the mastering teams, which is, I think it's a four hour course or a three hour course that does a much deeper dive into a lot of the, the details. It's more for the power users or the administrators, you know, the folks that really need to know all the rest of that stuff.
0: But, but even still three or four hours, that's, you know, may, maybe three or four sessions, but it's not like a 12 or 14 hour course. You know, I feel like, I feel like that kind of course is going to take someone a month or two to get through.
1: Well, like, yeah, and the, like five, anyway. yeah, well yeah, it's all broken into five. Well yeah. It it really is intimidating. That, that that's the funny thing is um you know my original thought pattern which I'll share just cuz I was wrong was that yeah, it's a 12-hour course, but it's all broken up into five and 10-minute chunks. So people will just log in and do a little bit at a time. But what we found was that you know it, it's like I I remember when I hiked the Grand Canyon the first time and, you know, think about hiking the Grand Canyon is, right, the first half is easy because you start at the top and then you kind of go down to the bottom. And then at some point you turn around and there's this giant mountain of, of you know, valley wall in front of you. Uh, and that climb out is intimidating. Uh, and I remember the first time I did it, I, you know, had many thoughts of, you know, running through my head of, all right, just how realistic is it to call a helicopter to come pick me up at this point, you know, and, and trying to figure out if there's some other option. I think it's the same thing when somebody's looking at a 10 hour course or a 12 hour course, right? It, it, yeah, you can eat it one bite at a time, but Mm -hmm. even so just that intimidation of how big it is, is is a problem. So, you know, we don't do anything more than like three or four hours now in total. And, you know, again, still in in easy chunks.
0: So, so I got to, so you hiked the Grand Canyon and, and I think I heard you say the first time. So you've done it more than once.
1: Well, I've, I technically yes, but the second time I didn't go down very far, so it doesn't really count.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I, uh, kudos. I think if, if <laughs> I, you know, someday my family and I will make it to the Grand Canyon and, uh, I'll ride like a donkey or a mule or take a helicopter or, or just send them on a hike and help them <laughs> take pictures for me. Like, Literally anything other than me hiking it because I don't well, really I was... look like a hiking type, do I? I just <laughs> well,
1: I, and, and I will say I was much younger when I did it too, so it oh, was, that's fair. Uh, okay, yeah. The, well, the, the funny story about that too is, is, you know, I, I hiked down. It, it was me and two buddies from college, right. And we hiked down to Indian gardens and um, they wanted to go on a little further and see the river. And I wanted to go ahead and head back. because I wanted to, to see the sunset from the top of the Canyon. So uh, we had driven there in my car. I should point that out. And so I turn around, I start hiking back up and it's, you know, four or five hours hiking back up. the top. It's not a, it's not a short thing. And you're hot and you're tired and you're exhausted. And all I kept thinking about, was we had a cooler full of drinks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Gatorade and whatever else in my car waiting for me at the top when I get out of this Grand Canyon. And so I hike, I get to the top and I go to my car and I have dropped my car keys somewhere in the Grand Canyon. Uh, true story. Uh, and all I can do is look on the outside of my car, looking at these cold drinks. I can't get to any of them. Uh, I think unfortunately, I would break two down two tears. <laughs> It was, uh, I was close. I'm pretty sure I was close. Uh, fortunately my friends had a spare key and fortunately somebody, some good Samaritan found my car keys at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and brought them out and turned them into a ranger and we, we got them again. But, uh, yeah, I'm the guy that dropped his keys in the bottom of the Grand Canyon.
0: Wow. How, who does that? <laughs> well, apparently me. <laughs> so, so that's, insane so are, are you the kind of guy that that likes to to go on a lot of hikes or is, is that like your thing
1: I, I used to be uh, when I okay. was younger I mean clearly I, I'm not exactly in in shape anymore but uh, once upon a time yeah I, I used to enjoy outdoor hikes
0: I've got a I've got a buddy who he loves going on hikes he'll um and we're, we're in Ohio you know so mm. he'll he'll go on a eight-hour drive with some friends of his and they just got to get to the perfect place so they can go for this hike and it'll be like a long three, four day weekend hike thing. And Mm. I just think to myself, like, why? (laughs) (laughs) You know, my idea of a three or four day weekend is, you know, I've got my chair in the living room. I've got my sound bar. (laughs) I've got You know, I've got the Nintendo switch, uh, you know if if i'm feeling crazy i'll i'll turn on the xbox but it's kind of broken lately uh but you know i I'd, I'd rather just play like call of duty
1: for three or four days
0: or, so or so just, this whole
1: quarantine shelter in place is just perfect for you
0: it really is uh i get out of the house <laughs> i would say just enough to where you know i i go i do some shopping and i'll um uh i i still do some things for the church I've been helping Mm -hmm. record like the live streams and the, you know, we just recorded all the stuff for Easter Sunday. So now I have three and a half hours of audio. I have to sift through and find all of the perfect music for us to put with like, we're making four music videos. It's going to be, it's going to be epic. It's going to make, uh, it's going to make for a really awesome Easter morning for all of the people that unfortunately have to watch from home. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I get to go out and do things still, but it's great because now I don't have my wife saying, hey, let's go do this or do that. (laughs) Because, you know, she's she is losing her mind right now because my wife is the kind of person where, like, she wants plans. Like, she wants every day there to be activities. And I'm like, my activity Mm -hmm. of choice is let's just sit here and watch a movie or seven. Like I would be I would be totally fine if we just decided to have like a Harry Potter marathon. Um But no, she's she is going stir crazy, man. She's losing her mind. And I get it. I feel really bad, but um you know, sorry, not sorry is also kind of
1: my- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, I'm definitely an introvert, also. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being at home doesn't doesn't bug me too much. Uh, my wife a little bit, but not as much as yours sounds like.
0: Yeah, she, you know, she's the kind of person where Saturday and Sunday she'll have like three things a day planned for the whole family to do, mm-hmm. and uh, it's exhausting. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, happy wife, happy life. So I, I go, I do the things. But yeah, I mean, there you go. This has been fantastic. I'm okay if we need to quarantine for three more months. This is like a little. This is this is the best vacation I've ever had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just get to relax. <laughs> but, but so, but do you
1: have a uh, do you have a honey do list around the house though that she's uh, she's got you working on? Because that's what a, I have.
0: Well, see, that's the great thing. I'm not very handy, so I've got a honey do <laughs> list for her to work on. <laughs> I I I picked a winner man. I I I could not I could not be luckier. So That's awesome. All right, so uh COVID-19. That's that's kind of the big topic right now. That's what everyone's talking about. Uh you know, there's there's people going live on Facebook. Uh, once or twice a week in some of the MSP groups. You're doing a live thing every week on your YouTube. You're having uh, special guests come out and, and talk for, like you said, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, there are also some companies that specialize in like marketing stuff. And they are also offering like COVID 19 resources, like they've got documents for sale and stuff like that. And, um, that just blows my mind that like companies have already created things to, to like capitalize on Mm COVID-19. Um, especially, you know, like you said, sometimes it would take weeks or months for you to produce something and obviously a document's a little different, you know, document, you you know, you can just send the, the content to some guy in Fiverr and, you know day or two later you've got a a really attractive looking flyer brochure or whatever that you can then sell as a pdf on your on your e-store right mm-hmm. so what are your thoughts on and i'm not even talking like the big marketing companies that are like geared for msps i'm talking about like little ones i've never heard of what are what are your thoughts on some of these smaller marketing companies that are are trying to, it almost seems like they're trying to get rich quick off of this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends on, on the company. It depends on the situation. I mean, you know, I, I spent, uh, gosh, what, 13 years as an MSP franchisor where my job was basically to help, uh, you know, a few hundred MSPs run their businesses. And, and so I know better than most that, most of us who come from an IT background or who have strengths in the IT areas um, are not necessarily strong with marketing, uh, with sales, um, with uh, communication in in general necessarily. I mean, some are, but, but, you know, most of us, you know, our strength is, is in diagnostics or problem solving or understanding infrastructure or security or whatever. And so when this kind of situation happens, and our existing business model is affected. Uh you know, th- th- there's certainly a there's a large group of us that need help uh you know getting through it. So on the one hand, I-, I like the idea of um you know companies that are that are trying to help MSPs stay in business, companies that are trying to help uh MSTs uh customers. Uh, stay in business and, and you know be more successful and, and be profitable um, you know uh, capitalism's capitalism there's always going to be somebody who's who's trying to make a buck off whatever the situation is um the, the hard part is especially if it's a new company or some kind of fly by night company or you know what you see a lot of times are uh, existing msps who are trying to you know kind of get into that space and and sometimes with the best of intentions if I, in fact i would say most of the time with the best of intentions um, but there's not really a there's not a track record there. You know, it's like nobody can point to, uh, you know, their materials and say during the last pandemic, look, these companies made 50% more profits by using our materials. Cause we haven't been there before. It's all, it's all unproven. Um, so, you know, it, it just depends. I, I would, I would, the, the problem is, I, I remember I used to have a, uh, when I was with computer troubleshooters, there was one computer troubleshooter in particular, great guy, and he he was actually not an IT person. He came from more of a business background. But for whatever reason, he got sucked into a lot of these uh, marketing pitches from vendors. And, and you know, nothing against our vendors in the IT channel. A lot of them do great stuff. But if you buy every single one of them, uh, you're not going to have time to, A, get to understand how they work, and B, to, to actually implement them properly. Uh, and, and he tended to kind of get sucked into every sales pitch. And so he wound up giving away a ton of money. He eventually had to close because he, he didn't do very well in business overall. And, and that's you know regrettable. But um, I don't know. It, it's a balancing act. And I think as an MSP, if you can find resources, particularly from a trusted vendor, uh, particularly from somebody who has some kind of proven track record, even if it's not, uh, obviously, with pandemic marketing, because that's not even a thing, uh, then, you know, yeah, I, I think a lot of us could use the help. But otherwise, yeah, you know, just be careful because there's a lot of there's a lot of snake oil out there. Oh, Steve, I think you're muted.
0: Whoops, there there really is, and I, I love that you call it snake oil because one of my buddies, uh, he calls it snake oil too, and and that's the thing. There's so much there's so much of it out there. Um, the the thing that the thing that i think bothers me about it is that how how could you have possibly tested this right. resource um you know you're you're offering a resource that you're saying is to help msps uh help their clients with all this covid-19 stuff I mean I've never heard of you before. How do I know what you're offering mm. is is of any value and it's uh It's just kind of crazy that that it almost seems like there are people coming out of the woodwork doing this stuff
1: yeah, I mean you know, there's some fundamental marketing principles that you know you could fall back on, but even so, this is such an unprecedented time and uh, you know frankly i mean there's just some there's some wells that are dry uh, you know like in in my new business in, in the the learning and development industry uh m- most of us who do any kind of online training are doing really well right now um a lot of the instructor led classroom folks if they are able to also offer that virtually online um they're doing okay but there's certain industries. If you if, if you're targeting an industry like healthcare or travel, hospitality, food service, um, they're not looking at buying training right now. That's the you know you can have the best marketing material in the world, and nobody's going to buy because they got uh, they got bigger fish to fry right now. It's, it's the same with IT. You know, it, it's when when the last couple of recessions happened. Uh, when I was with computer troubleshooters, we could definitely see differences in how. Uh, People's businesses were affected based on their clientele. You know, for for um, uh, a lot of our computer troubleshooters who were uh, very heavily involved in construction, when the oh seven oh eight recession happened, uh, there was no construction going on. You know, their business just tanked, and no, somebody no, can come really along. Wasn't. Yeah, go start good. No, I was
0: just, I was just agreeing. There, there really wasn't. That like everything just kind of shut down, especially when it came to. Uh, constructing new homes or even new yeah. business buildings.
1: Yeah. So you know, so if somebody comes along, then I mean, we can look back with some you know kind of clear vision. If somebody came along in, in 0708 and said, "I've got the miracle cure for rejumping, you know, restarting your uh, construction-oriented IT business." No, it's it's you know it, it may be fantastic marketing materials. Nothing's going to work for that right now. Uh, you know, the the I think the better materials, the better strategies, maybe ones of looking at, you know, where do we need to be? You know, there's some industries that just don't need us right now, uh, or some industries that do need us, but unfortunately can't pay. We don't want to be too exposed in either of those areas but there is there are big needs out there there's a ton of teachers uh, you know learning to teach from home there's a ton of workers learning to work remotely there's a ton of companies trying to figure out how to move their legacy data systems from on-prem servers onto something more cloud-based there's big opportunities with that so you know i think it's more a matter of not so much your marketing although that's always a part of it but making sure you're targeting the right areas, making sure you're, you're, you know, fishing where the fish are biting, so to speak.
0: Absolutely. So would, would you say that now is, would you say that now is a good time for any business right now? I mean, I, I'm sure now is a good time for, for hospitals, so to speak, only because, you know, as long as the patients can pay, they're, they're rich with patients. but it's also a terrible time because they don't have enough equipment. Uh they don't have enough staffing. They don't have enough of literally anything. They've got plenty of patience, but they don't have enough anything else. Well, so would it, you say this is a good time for any business right now?
1: I, I, I would say there are I guess I'm kind of fundamentally an optimistic in that I bl- optimist that I believe uh there's always an opportunity for any business if you if you're looking at it properly. Um, I was very surprised because I had the same thoughts that you uh, had about hospitals right now or about healthcare in general. And um, I, I'm in part, I'm in a local association of, of trainers. And last week or the week before, uh, all of the trainers in our group, about 20 out of an organization of, um, you know, maybe 100, uh, were laid off. Just. Uh, And that's been true at hospitals around the country. What's happening is uh, hospitals, uh, yes, they're getting a ton of patients. Not all those patients can pay. Uh, Even the patients that can pay, that have insurance or have Medicare or whatever, there's a delay in receiving those payments. So the hospital has this big upfront outflow for additional staffing, overtime, additional equipment and supplies. Um, If they're going to get income from it. It's going to come later. And in many cases, that's unreimbursed and hospitals are not that profitable to begin with. Uh, so they start cutting all the areas that aren't related to the immediate needs. So training and development, uh, administration, all your internal kind of not directly patient focused areas. And the big money maker for hospitals is oftentimes the elective surgeries. You know all the liposuction and and you know plastic surgery and whatever else those are insanely popular, or I'm sorry, insanely profitable. But they're not doing those right now because they need the resources for the pandemic. So it's it's um, it, it can be a little misleading. Sometimes I think just looking at the traffic, you might think, oh, that'd be a good area to get into. I've got two giant partners with bigger brains that primarily sell into the healthcare industry. And they're dead in the water right now. Nobody's buying training. Nobody's looking at that sort of thing. It's the same with a lot of MSPs. Uh, You know, I, I think that, uh, Yeah, there's opportunities. But if your business was mostly focused on retail and restaurants, if your business was mostly focused on hospitality, if your business, even if your business is mostly focused on healthcare, there's some, uh, you know, investment in IT infrastructure happening with even the smaller healthcare providers right now, but that's not where their focus is right now. Their focus right now is on patient care. Um, So it's, it's, if you're in those areas, I think a better strategy is to look at where else uh, you can, you can, um invest your marketing dollars and invest your focus to, to get a better return, at least in the short term.
0: Do you think right now it makes sense to do any marketing as a, as an MSP?
1: If you are, um, I, I do. Uh, I, I think you want to be very selective about what that marketing is. Uh, I mean, the thing about, think about marketing is, For what we do, and I say we, I'm assuming that if you're in a B2B focused IT consulting firm of some kind, VAR, MSP, CSP, whatever you call yourself, um, most of our client relationships tend to be long-term. And so when a new prospective client is unhappy with their current provider and they are going to be making a change or they are... In a zone where they can be persuaded to make a change, you want to be on their radar, and that's what marketing does. Is it really keeps your name out there? It keeps your name in front of them, and it builds kind of a reputation, right? If, if they see high quality marketing from uh, Steve Taylor's Computer Services on a regular basis, then when they get sick and tired with whoever their current company is, uh, then you know they're, they're starting to think about alternatives. And if they have a good impression for your marketing, they're going to think about you. Um, is that the First thing on anybody's mind right now, no. So I don't think we want to spend a ton of marketing right now. I think there's there's definitely opportunities, like I say, if we target things towards uh, work from home, remote security, things like that. I think there's an audience for those. I think there's actually a lot of opportunity for those, if, if uh, for those of us that have skills in those areas. And if you don't, now is a good time to start working on it. Oh, you muted again, Steve?
0: Today it seems like my kids are trying to get yelled. at. <laughs> I'm sorry, so that's why I keep muting because uh, they are supposed to be like in their room or outside. I don't care, pick one. They keep running past. Just running past. <laughs> uh, so, so today it seems like there's a lot of um, MSPs that are honestly freaking out Mm. um you know trump extended things to uh may 1st Mm. uh ohio dewine governor dewine extended things to may 1st i'm sure many other states are starting to do so i think there might still be a a couple states that don't have a stay-at-home order and um we'll see how things go in those states, I guess. What, what, um, what are you seeing for MSPs? They, they might not be out there selling new things, but are you seeing MSPs come to you and say, Hey, I I just lost half my clients. Can we work on something?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. I, I actually haven't seen it as much as I would have expected to, if that makes sense. Um, It's—I uh, have a little bit of a different perspective, in a way, uh, I guess, because I've—I'm uh, very old, uh, and I've been doing this. I, you know, I started my first IT firm in '89, and so I've been through—you uh, know, three or four.
0: Now, did you say in '89 or at
1: '89? No, <laughs> it, I'm not that old. <laughs> I was say, it, you look really good for like a hundred, man. <laughs> I'm good for 120. Um, no, in 89, uh, I, was, uh, I, I, was, I was paying my way through college uh, by working at Kmart. And there was a guy at, uh, in the Kmart electronics department with me who was starting to fix computers on the side for the insane amount of money of $25 an hour. And I thought, wow, if I could only do that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I got started. But but.
0: back in, back in 89, 25 an hour probably was really good. Uh, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you gotta think I'm still in my thirties, Chip. So 89, (laughs) I was 89. I think I might've been in kindergarten. Okay. Like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so twenty twenty five dollars is a twenty five dollars an hour is a lot for a kindergartner. I will give you that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: But uh, <laughs> it, it was it, it was a little on the low side. But it, but it was it wasn't terrible. You're right. I mean it was probably more like forty or fifty dollars an hour now. So it's it's on the lower end of the spectrum. But it's it's oh
0: absolutely not terrible. I, I think if you're doing service right now for forty or fifty dollars an hour, you're you're probably just not very good yeah let's let's be realistic i I think we can just call a spade a spade here you're you're probably just not very good at something and it could just be business that you're not very good at
1: that's exactly right i, I and, and you know I, I spent so many so much time working on that because we had again with computer troubleshooters i i, I had it was kind of neat because I had the opportunity to work with about a thousand about eleven 1, hundred uh IT entrepreneurs who are starting their businesses. And and you're exactly right. You see a lot of different personality types. And yeah, there's some that that aren't good at IT. And, and, you know, all of us start somewhere. And and so you have a low price to kind of get some customers in to get things started. Then there were others that were just fantastic at technology. But, uh, you know, maybe their people skills were lacking. Maybe their marketing skills were lacking. Maybe they just weren't good at getting, you know, customers or whatever. And again, you start where you start. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. You just work to improve and, and get better um but uh uh but yeah but but in terms of of you know MSPs struggling today um yeah it you know depending on what again kind of depending on what industry you're in depending on the the makeup of your clientele that's going to depend a lot on where you are today uh if 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 your customers are doing okay then you're doing okay um probably uh your customers I will guarantee you because there's not a business owner in the country who doesn't feel this way your customers are worried they don't know what's going to come next they don't know what's going to happen and uh you yeah, know I think there's an opportunity for us to help make them feel better uh in terms of letting them know that uh that they are prepared infrastructure-wise, security-wise, tool-wise uh, from a technology perspective, or if they aren't, then to give them you know, the outline of where they need to get to, to, to be there. And I think that will make them feel better. And I think that that will also keep you or keep us in business because when customers see you as that you know trusted advisor, the cliche term we always use, they're more likely to pay you. They're more likely to keep you around. I mean, what's going to happen when, when customers, when businesses start uh, you know, falling short income wise, which a lot certainly are, there's a hierarchy of who gets paid and who doesn't get paid. And usually the owner gets paid, um, the employees get paid, the power bill gets paid uh, if they still need power, the internet gets paid, and then everything else is secondary. And in some cases, of course, the employees don't get paid either. Uh, you want your IT bill to be closer to the power bill and not down near like the the you know lawn mowing bill or, or the marketing bill or the, the stuff they can live without. You want to make sure they understand that, um, you know, that we're an essential utility. But that's one thing that's kind of nice about this pandemic situation is when you look at all the shelter in place orders and you look at what they define as essential businesses, uh, IT is almost always in there as an essential business um, right up there with uh, liquor stores and Home Depot. So we're, we're in good company, maybe
0: so i uh i wonder right now as you said if if uh if an msp's customers aren't suffering then the msp is not suffering but i i do wonder how long is this going to be because you know they they initially said let's let's be up and running by easter now they said no way we're we're doing all of april and uh here in ohio the um the peak is not going to be they don't think until mid may mm-hmm. so i mean how how long do we think social distancing is going to last and and when they decide okay we've we've flattened the curve enough how much longer after social distancing is done is this still going to be an issue and because it's an issue how many people are going to be afraid to uh, you know go to work to to go shopping to go do fun leisurely things like see movies you know i I worry that this is going to impact our economy far greater than many small business owners truly realize um, Many companies that that don't have any type of savings whatsoever are are very possibly going to go out of business. Uh, because, you know, they're shut down right now. Like, even the local restaurants, there's a place where um, me and some buddies would go get wings. Like, every other week, we'd go out, we'd get wings at this place, uh, get together, catch up, that kind of thing. And they would do a wing special, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you know, 50-cent wings. All You know, order as many as you want, but you can't do it to go. It's got to be for here. Mm. So, you know, I called them after this whole no more going inside restaurants and eating kind of thing. You can only do takeout was part of the order. I said, Hey, you know, it's, it's Steve. I'd, I'd like to order my wings. I'm like, no problem. I'm like, all right. So, you know, I think we'll do, you know, 80 wings and we'll get 20 of this 20 of that. And they're like, no problem. And they gave me a total. And I'm like, you, what, you know, they're supposed to be 50 cents. They're like, well, that's for dine in only. And I said, but I can't dine in. I mean, it's literally the governor said, I'm not allowed. And they're like, well, we, we aren't doing that special. And I said, okay, well then we're not ordering wings. And I mean, I feel bad doing it, but it's literally like two or three times as much to, to order, you know, regular price. And I understand why they do it. It's it's to get people in the door to buy drinks. and
1: Exactly. Yeah. But
0: you know, we, we didn't go there and drink. So, so it didn't really do them anything for us. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, even, even places like that, like now they've changed their hours. They're only open Tuesday through Saturday, 4 p.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. So they're only open for a four hour period, six days, uh, five days a week for dinner. Yeah. Because, you know, this has just hit them hard. They used to open up at, 11 uh and they would close at you know midnight one o'clock whatever because it was like a you know sports bar kind of place right yeah so they've laid off a bunch of their team which i'm sure uh that in itself has kind of bit them because you know now there's the the payroll protection uh part of the cares act Mm-hmm. So, so if they want to get the the payroll protection, they're going to have to hire all those people back. So now they have to figure out which one makes more sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the, the nice thing is, I, from what I understand, and I've been through a couple of, um, actually, way too many meetings over the last week yeah. about the the payroll protection program and, and the CARES Act uh, um, for for nonprofits in particular. Because I'm on the board of a couple of nonprofits, uh, this has hit hard. Uh, you know, it's hit everywhere hard. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to say it's hit them hard, just kind of hit everybody hard. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits that are not able to function. Um, Or the flip side is there's nonprofits who are overloaded. Uh, You know, homeless shelters are really struggling with this because you've got what by definition is a transient population that are supposed to be sheltering at home that don't have a home Mm -hmm. that you need to provide space for generally a shelter's not set up for uh you know except for like on the coldest winter nights you don't have everybody there uh and then when they are there they're packed in like you know sardines uh, and yet you're supposed to be so you know there's a lot of these issues that that, that some of those places have to deal with um w- with one of the one of the nonprofits that I've been working with it's a, a daycare center and uh, obviously uh you know parents aren't uh, able to drop off their kids anymore, so the parents aren't paying, and so 26 staff were, were let go last week. Uh, we filed for uh, a you know the a loan under the Payroll Protection Program yesterday, uh, and. Um, the the goal is that if we retroactively hire those employees back, or at least retroactively pay those employees, that of course that'll turn into a grant. It's it, it's a super expensive program from a governmental perspective, uh, but I think it's 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 what's needed. Frankly, I think it's going to have to be a lot bigger. I think there's a lot of concern that it's going to run out of money. Um, you know, within uh, some said within the first few days that it was open, so we'll we we'll kind of see what happens with that, but. Um, that's necessary, you know. With with our other, you know, customers, with the economy in general, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a big hit. I mean, you're gonna. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how we come out of this. But you know what? And not to sound flippant about it, because it's not. But uh, a lot of us had these same type of thoughts, different, but but same type of thoughts during the the Great Recession. When um, you know week after week there was more and more unemployed, and week after week you know, it seemed like the economy was just in a tailspin that it might never get out of. Uh, we had similar thoughts during 9/11, when you know travel shut down, hotels shut down, companies you know uh, closed up their borders, and we really thought how how is the world going to get back to what it was before? And except for having to take your shoes off when you get on an airplane. Um, It it mostly got back to to where it was before. So I I think we'll come out of this too. But the very very real business decision is, let's say this takes a year. Let's say that things are uh, weird for a year. I'm not saying that it'll be shelter in place for a year, but let's say that maybe off and on it is. Uh, Certainly customer behavior is going to be affected for a year. How do we as business professionals stick around how do we survive or how do we thrive in this environment? And, you know, depending on your business, it may be a, a, let's just try to make it through depending on your business. It may be, you know, let's, let's take this as an opportunity to grab some market share. We're already hearing about some larger MSPs who are buying up smaller MSPs who are in that kind of leverage situation. And it's really, it's a good deal for both sides. A lot of the larger MSPs have struggled to find good quality talent for years. Uh, and a lot of smaller MSPs have struggled with uh, cash flow, as this is always the case. And um, now they're kind of being forced into a marriage of convenience by the situation. But it may wind up being a good thing for for both parties long term. We'll, we'll have to see.
0: So I see that uh, as of last month, or I don't know, updated a few days ago, but last month's unemployment rate was 4.4%. Mm-hmm. which uh, isn't that terrible, all things considered. You know, it's it's at the high end of the natural rate of unemployment for the U.S. because the U.S. is expected at, at any given time to have like 3.5 to 4.5 percent unemployment unless the economy is just booming and everyone actually works. Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis forecast that unemployment could rise to 30 percent during this pandemic, which would be worse than the great depression and any recession we've had after that. So I, I think that, uh, you know, people are, are scared and, you know, it's, it almost seems rightfully so. And with what, 320 million people in the country, you know, 1% is 3 million people if I'm doing Mm -hmm. my math correctly so you know this is basically saying a million ish people um filed for unemployment and I'm sure that's just the people that filed you know I'm sure there are another million or two that probably didn't file that couldn't file you know Mm -hmm. uh, entrepreneurs that had to close up shop so I I think it makes sense that that people are scared.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you you would be crazy not to be at at least mindful of the situation. I mean, scared is, is, I don't know. You you get into some situations where there's, you know, some emotions that um, cause you to, to make bad decisions. And and Uh I think fear is one of those. So I, 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 I think it's certainly not unreasonable to be scared, But I think that you can take a look at the overall situation and say, all right, what's the worst case scenario? If we get to 30% unemployment, well, that might mean if my customer base is proportionate to the population, which it never is, but let's say it is, then 30% of my customers might go away. 30% of my customers uh, might stop paying. And it may be even a little worse than that, because really that means that they're not paying other people too, and their businesses are affected. So if I, if, if my business shrunk by half, what would happen? And, and for very small providers, that's 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 a huge issue. Right. Um, for you know, for mid to, to larger providers, there you know, it, it's not a good situation for anybody.
0: But no, because because some people are going to end up having to lay people off, or mm-hmm. you know, sign up for the payroll protection plan and or a program or whatever, and, um, you know, take out a loan, which, you know, it sucks taking out a loan. And I'm sure, you know, it's great. You get $10,000 forgiveness, right? And you'll probably get more forgiveness based on your payroll and other expenses. But, you know, you, you still have some of that loan that you'll have to pay back, which means there's going to be interest on some of that loan.
1: Yeah, it is uh, either 0.5% or 1%. It's very low. But yes, that's true.
0: Yeah. I mean, even 1% interest. I mean, think, you know, some people are going to end up having to take out, you know, $100,000, $500,000, million Mm dollars, just, just, and that's for smaller MSPs. Now, to clarify, though, when you say small providers, that losing half their business is going to be a a huge detriment. What in your mind is a smaller MSP? And what is a, a medium or large MSP?
1: I, I always think of it in terms of staffing. So, to, to sure. me, a smaller MSP is three or less uh, full-time okay. employees, full-time equivalents. Uh, medium is somewhere in the three to twenty, and then large is more than twenty full-time employees. Okay. Um, and, and that's just my own definition. That's, I'm sure, there's a more, you know, book definition somewhere. Me,
0: me too, but it's at least um, insightful for me to understand where where are you thinking. this this is so so you're basically saying that if an MSP has three employees or less uh they might be screwed (laughs) i I didn't use those words (laughs) again calling a spade a spade (laughs) um
1: their life might change
0: their life might change Uh,
1: absolutely i um i I, there there was uh, again most of my industry stories are going to go back to computer troubleshooters because that was most of my life for 13 years. Uh-huh. Um, we had a, uh, w- during the the Great Recession, we had a troubleshooter who uh, was small. I think he was a one-man shop, maybe a two-man shop. I think it was a two-man shop and uh, was not in a good situation. He was also in a geography that was especially hit hard by the Great Recession. Um, he, uh, I mean, he wound up lo- losing his business. He, 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 but what he basically did was he uh He sold his customers to a neighboring business in exchange for some ongoing commission off the work that the 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 new buyer did for those customers. Um, he tried to take a full time job, but uh initially he had to declare bankruptcy uh terrible situation, very unfortunate uh lost his house i think in this situation um but that was two thousand and seven and again, you know I, I keep playing the role of the old guy here. Uh, You know, bankruptcy lasts on your record for seven years. That's a long time. It's not a trivial thing at all. But, you know, by the, you know, 2014, 2015 timeframe, he was uh, gainfully employed at a significant six-figure job. Uh, He was uh, doing well in his personal life. He had moved to a new city. Um, You know, so his, yeah, his his life sucked for a couple of years, Um, but he still came out of it, you know, Okay. Uh, and 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 i don't mean to sound pollyannaish i i mean i, I don't want to um you know minimize the suckiness that happens in between uh but just to say that you know this is this is a thing uh we'll we'll get through this we always get through this uh there's a light at the end of the tunnel um uh you know it it, it it's not going to be forever the decisions we have to make are what do we do to get through it as best we can You know, what's going to help us the most, what's going to help our employees the most, what's going to help our customers the most. And there's going to be times when you can't, you can't help all three. There's going to be times when you can't even help yourself. Uh, But just know that, you know, you do the best you can and you get through it. And I mean, I've been there. Uh, I mean, I very nearly went bankrupt in 1996 uh, to the point that I was uh, having to fight with utility companies coming to turn my power off at my office. Uh, I had overextended myself. I opened my first uh, retail uh, IT uh, store, computer store uh, in Atlanta, uh, just before the Olympics came to Atlanta in 96 and uh, found out that uh, while everybody's watching the Olympics, nobody's calling for a computer repair uh, and nobody's buying new computers, which is what we did back then. Uh, And I, again, I I overextended myself way too far and I I got into trouble Uh, and it was was a terrible time, Uh, but I came through it. I learned a lot. Uh, and again, you know, sounding like the old guy again, uh, you know, I, it gave me a lot of experience perspective that helped me when the next issues came along. So you know, th- th- there is always a silver lining. Good. So, uh,
0: are you, are you buying up a lot of stock right now?
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I've really thought about that. What we've been looking at, um, putting in place a 401k for our employees. And I really Uh thought, you know, boy, if we can get that in place now, um, it it really should do fantastic for them over the next couple of years. Uh Um, I have never owned hardly any stock. I've never been a big investor in the stock market. I have always invested in myself. Um, so when we have extra money, I generally use it to add more staff or to, uh, you know, invest in new, um, infrastructure or new courses or whatever for the business today. And and that's, that's always worked well for me. But uh, again, as I get older, uh, there is going to be a limit to how much I can do. So I'm I'm starting to shift over that way.
0: So I've got a friend, he's a financial advisor. And he said that, you know, everything's at such a discount right now. Like he's, he's, he's calling it a discount like this. This isn't an economic disaster things are just at a discount. Is so <laughs> <lining>? <laughs> so uh, I, I, um, I'm happy to see that uh, even though my portfolio is down six and a half percent over the last week, it's up three percent today.
1: if you look at it every day you'll drive yourself crazy
0: (laughs) oh absolutely man you know if you if you look at the last month it's down 23 percent. no no that that also includes the the chunk i added
1: (laughs) (laughs) sorry to remind you of that Uh, oh boy i've gotten you know what i've started doing is every morning uh you know I, i wake up as most people do in the morning, and I I come into here in my home office and I start checking my emails and I turn on CNBC, which I didn't used to watch until I started working from home, but yeah. I like it because it's it's you know there's there's really hardly any of the the, the politics and, and stuff you get on other news. It's it's just business news. Oh, okay. and uh, the, the 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 interesting thing that everybody on there, it's mostly about the stock market and investments, so it's kind of you know tied me into a lot of that, but. Everybody on there is 100% sure that uh, your friend is correct, that the stock market is is a huge bargain right now, and that there's going to come a time when any money you have in the stock market right now, assuming it's you know, evenly distributed, uh, it is going to increase by 50% or more when we have the snapback. One thing is, nobody knows when that's going to be. Right. You know, It's probably not going to be next week, probably not going to be next month, might be later this year might be first party next year. You just don't know, but it, it it is, I haven't met anybody yet that doesn't think that things are going to come back.
0: Well, um, what, what are your thoughts on Apple? Are you an Apple user?
1: I, uh, so this will mess up your camera, but, uh, so here's my PC and there's my Mac. Um, <laughs> so there, uh, I, I tend to use both. I, uh, uh I um, I did actually. I recently switched to an iPhone, but I switched from a BlackBerry, uh, and this was about a year ago. So that tells you something about my technology choices. Oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I generally like Apple for most things. But uh, w- w- what were you thinking of specifically?
0: Well, you know, unfortunately, Apple's not at a big discount. Their their mm. stock their stock is just way too expensive for many people. It's just it's just unattainable. Um, but but the reason I ask is because um you know that they normally here in a in a couple months they announce the new iOS that they're gonna be mm. doing at their at their big worldwide developer conference that they hold in June. That's true. Um they they then will usually in September announce the next iPhone. Mm. Um and you know, Samsung usually does their thing. I, I don't know when, but I feel like it. It would have been around now for some reason. You know, Google. Uh, Google has their own devices. You know, all of these, all of these companies that that launch hardware all throughout the year. You know, they they have supply chain. You know, they they manufacture in China. Um they have to get things from China to here. What, what do you think is going to happen? You know, like there are some people, myself included, who get really excited when it's uh, you know, I call it iPhone season. <laughs> you know, it's, it's when you go out, you get your new phone. I'm running the iPhone XS because um, I decided I, I was going to try and wait a year for once. Normally, I'm I'm the guy I, I go out and within a week I have my new phone. And I decided last year I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. And uh, now I'm like I'm jonesing because <laughs> I'm like you know I'm I'm like seven months past due is is where my brain's at you know like so so now I'm freaking out like am I going to be able to get my new iPhone in in you know, five months or whatever like that's where I'm at like I'm not worrying about how is my business uh what are we going to do how are we going to pay our rent or mortgage or whatever right i'm i'm not there i'm dude am i gonna be able to get my new iphone in september like this is insane (laughs) they might not even have the iphone available they might not be able to manufacture it they might not be able to get it here like what what is going to happen that's where i'm at chip that's where I'm at.
1: <laughs> this is Steve's first world problems. <laughs> I,
0: I do. I have first world problems, man. Like my other day, like, you know, as you can tell, I'm a little bit bigger guy. And, uh, you know, the other day I, I, I texted my wife. I said, Nikki, I have a serious problem. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I dropped my Apple pencil and it went behind the bed. And I am too big to squeeze under the bed. Cause we got like a a big, you you, you can't just move the bed, you know. Mm. It's not like a water bed. It's nothing weird. It's just you know, <laughs> the the frame and the headboard and all that the way it's attached. You right, can't right, Just move the bed. Um, so she's laughing at at my first world problems here. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm acting like it's the end of the world. Like, oh my gosh, our our checking account's negative a thousand dollars. Like, I, I have a big problem. You know, it's I dropped my Apple pencil on my bed. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, so, so my pandemic issues, like, are I'm, thankfully, I am not in a position where this has really hit me hard yet. And I'm so thankful for that. I, I truly am. Um, and I, I know I, I come on here and like every, I think every one of these podcasts have probably have complained about my kids. Um, but I love them. I wouldn't change I would change some things, but I wouldn't change most of it for the world. (laughs) But, but, you know, sometimes I just, you know, think children should be seen and not heard. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Good luck with that.
0: Yeah. So, so you recently switched to iPhone from BlackBerry. Now, now here's where it gets real, real fun. Like, are we talking like you, you had like a ten year old BlackBerry Pearl, or <laughs> what, what kind of
1: BlackBerry
0: are we talking?
1: <laughs> it, it didn't have the trackball. No. It, okay. Um, okay. I I, I really uh, I got really into BlackBerry. I guess in the in the mid two thousands, and um, when they switched over to BlackBerry ten. Which was the kind of uh, Linux-based flavor of BlackBerry, not the old BB9, uh, which was what the original, like the Pearl and 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 the um, 9920 and the Bold and all those were were running. Um, it was actually a really good operating system, and it was one of those. You know, it, it always happens in te- technology, right? It, it was a it was a superior product that didn't find an audience. You know, like you know, Betamax or, or whatever else. Uh, not that I know the Betamax was a superior product; it wasn't, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I, well, (laughs) true. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) But, uh, I'm a sucker for a lost cause. And and so for the longest time I kept, you know, I I wanted to make BlackBerry work. In fact, on my desk, my my desk clock is actually a, um, BlackBerry playbook, the tablet, uh, that still has, look
0: how thick that thing is.
1: Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not small. Uh, and, and it has it has a surprise number of apps that still work. Uh, but all I've really found that it's useful for is I have a doc for it and uh, I have it show uh the clock. If it'll come there it is, the clock. So that is uh, too funny. Yeah. Me and old technology, we 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 like to hang out together.
0: So I look at I'm gonna share my screen. I hope you uh aren't offended by me putting up a company that's not bigger brains, but I'm I'm at the BlackBerry site here and <laughs> they don't even talk about devices. No. And well, now they're saying they're a market leading platform for enabling Internet of Things. You look at their products list, they've got unified endpoint security, mm-hmm. you know, endpoint management, two FA stuff. Like they got to they have a lot of stuff. Oh look, devices overview.
1: Oh wow, they're still there. They do still have... Well, but they're all Android devices now. Except oh, yeah. for... Uh, actually, no, they're all Android devices now.
0: Except for this cute little thing.
1: I haven't seen that one before.
0: That looks like uh, today's version of a flip phone. That looks like one of those cheap, just little phones. It doesn't look smart.
1: Yeah, it looks like maybe a, a emerging market kind of a device, possibly. Mm. They, they do a lot. BlackBerry was super huge in Africa and in India and in Philippines. Uh, it was interesting. I went to Rwanda in '09 for a month as a missionary, actually. And I had my BlackBerry uh, Bold at the time. And uh, they had nationwide – I mean, this was a country where uh, a lot of the country didn't have electricity. Um, very few places had running water. But they had perfect 3G signal over every inch of that country, uh, largely to support BlackBerry.
0: Wow. So, what was Rwanda like? I've uh, I've I've often wondered what it would be like to to go do a, a mission project. The the youth pastor he's really bombed because uh, he has two different projects he's supposed to go do this summer. There was one that he was supposed to leave like in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I guess that's spring, but whatever. And there's one in August, and like everyone's canceling for the one in August. The the one for in a couple weeks, like that one's just dead, you know. Mm-hmm. But everyone's canceling for the one in August to the point where he, he doesn't even know if they'll be able to do it. And he was going to go to uh, Dominican Republic. Mm. And, I mean, me, I'm, I'm so sheltered. Like, I've left the country once. It was to go to Canada like it was i saw the uh niagara falls you know like i i didn't even go to like real canada i went to the, <laughs> no
1: just barely no across the border really
0: yeah yeah no no offense to canadians that are watching this you know what i mean i hope <laughs> but but my point is like you know i you know i've i've never gone like on a on a cruise down to the bahamas or to the indies or or any of those islands you know i've never been to mexico i i don't even have a passport i have i have the passport card the one that you can't fly with it you can just drive and be on a cruise ship like that's it uh to to leave and enter the u.s and um i just have no concept of what other countries are like i just assume that it's one of two things it's exactly like what we are here they just speak a different language or they build huts out of rocks and <laughs> cook with fire like I I have no idea what's in between those two.
1: Rwanda's in between those two but closer to the huts of stone, uh, it depends on where you are. uh, Rwanda's got an interesting history because of the genocide in the 1990s. And and not so much the, um, I mean, the genocide has definitely scarred the country badly, but what's interesting is after the genocide, uh, the Western countries had a lot of guilt uh, because we all pretty much ignored it. We knew what was happening and and, uh, that there's all this documentation. And this is back in the, in the Clinton era here in the U S and, and, uh, we knew what was happening we knew that they were butchering people and we had other priorities at home and so we didn't do anything and, and that was true in, in a lot of places and, and so after the genocide was over a lot of western governments uh kind of stepped up to help uh rebuild and to rebuild rwanda really uh better in a lot of ways and then later on uh china really stepped up china has um caught the uh what do they call it, the Belt and Road? Uh, anyway, they have this, this program where they've been investing a lot in infrastructure in developing countries to get a foothold there uh, you know, economically as a supplier and a partner. And also it's, it's a um, uh, profit-making um, enterprise for a lot of their uh, construction companies. Uh, but so Rwanda, of its neighbors, uh, Rwanda is fairly well-developed. Uh, we were, almost all the roads were asphalt roads that we were on. Uh, a lot of them were in very good shape. A lot of them were very new at the time. This again it was 2009. Um, in the cities, in, in Kigali, which is the one major city, uh, you know, you can find a lot of uh, modern-ish uh, restaurants. Um, yeah, your, your your hotels are going to have everything you would find in a hotel here. You know, it's going to be a lot of the the same stuff you're used to. But there's also a lot of extremely poor people by Western standards. And the organization I was with, uh, we were doing, among other things, we had like a micro loan program. And one of the simplest programs we did was there was a lady we worked with who she made her living. She was a, a widow from the genocide. Her, her husband had been killed. Uh, and I forget if she had kids or not, but she sold used shoes by the side of the road in Kigali. Huh. And she didn't have a lot of money. And so she could only afford about eight shoes uh And so people would come by her little car talking
0: eight pairs or eight actual four
1: shoes? four pairs uh eight you know four pairs eight shoes in total and and so the problem is she's you know she's she's doing all the work she's there by the side of the road, and people would come by if they're interested in a pair of used shoes uh and the odds of her having something in their size are close enough to their size uh or in a style that would make sense for them if they were caring about style are virtually zero right so her her sales conversions were very low. We loaned her twenty dollars US, and uh, she was able to buy something like a fifty pairs of shoes. Uh, and so wow. all of a sudden now she's converting a lot more sales because people come by and now she actually has shoes to sell them. She sells them for a profit, and that really jump started her business pretty well. So it's that kind of thing that a lot of aid I mean, organizations do. To
0: think that you can do all of that for twenty dollars. Like, I wouldn't even loan her. I would just give her, here's 20 bucks. Like,
1: yeah, it, that's it, insane. It, the In the poorer parts of Rwanda where we were working, uh, you know, the average income for a lot of people we worked with was something around $20 US per month or less. So, uh, you, know, th- you know, their annual income is around $240 a year uh, or less. And, and these are what we would call uh, day laborers or sharecroppers. In a lot of cases, they would, um, you know, in a lot of cases, they were women. A lot of cases, they were widows. Uh, in, in many Where cases, the they men. Would, well, a lot of men were killed in the genocide. Um, so there's a very disproportionate number of, of women in Rwanda historically. Um, there's also a, a, Smaller but decent number of men that that go off and join militias, uh, which is a whole different problem. Not so much in Rwanda, although it's becoming a bigger problem in Rwanda. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they would basically they would work for a landowner who uh, would have a giant field of corn or rice or, or something and or beans, and uh, and they would be given a plot and they would go out every day six and a half days a week and pull weeds and and tend to the plot. And then uh, they would get an advance, and then they would get uh, basically a a piece of the sales when the the crops came to harvest. It's a very different lifestyle, um, but uh, super nice people, uh, very giving. They were very generous with us. Um, And the other weird thing is, is everywhere we went, In Rwanda, we could be in the smallest village in the middle of nowhere, had to drive on dirt roads for hours to get there. No electricity, no running water. They would still have bottled Coca-Cola. Everywhere we went, had bottled Coca-Cola. It was the strangest thing, which was great. It was fantastic. I was not complaining at all. I drank a lot of bottles of Coca-Cola when I was there. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's different.
0: Dude, uh, what about the people like, uh, I I can't drink anything carbonated. So... Mm. Can't do Coca Cola. Can't do beer. Can't do champagne. Um, can't do any of that stuff. Can't even do seltzer water. It's all carbonated.
1: So you you could drink water, but the the trick is you would either have to drink bottled water, which we would go through by the case. Um, sure. Or uh, you can get anti-malarial tablets to put in regular water. So we tended to walk around with a you know a big size water bottle, and if we did refill it from you know, the, the hotel or somebody's faucet or something, we would drop in a couple of anti-malarial tablets and give them a few hours to to, to dissolve.
0: That is absolutely insane to me. It's different. And be, because of all that anti-malarial stuff you took, you're, you're like immune to COVID-19 now, right?
1: <laughs> uh, probably not. I think that's a, that's an old wives tale. That's fair.
0: So, um, you know, when when I think of, so I I looked up Rwanda because I I know it's in Africa, but I couldn't tell you where. Like, it looks like just a little speck on Africa. Like, I didn't even realize they had countries that tiny.
1: <laughs> it's not it's not huge. It's uh yeah, you can if you had decent roads, you could drive from the east coast or the, not the east coast, the eastern border to the western border in probably three or four hours if they had decent roads.
0: So you're saying Rwanda is maybe the size of like Ohio. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, yeah, probably pretty close. Because, yeah, I, I could drive from one end of Ohio to the other in about four
1: hours. Yeah. You know, uh,
0: assuming, you know, assuming all things are equal, 65 miles per hour speed limit, in, in air quotes. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's no speed limits in Rwanda that I'm aware of. There, there may be something informal that I don't know about, but there's no signage. There's no like you know stripes on the roads or anything of like that. Not, not outside probably, the
0: city. They probably only have maybe a few thousand vehicles in the whole country, though, right?
1: I mean, you'd be surprised that there's actually a lot of of uh, older, like, Toyotas and stuff there and Fords. Um, mm. There's a lot of, I mean, very few people own their own cars, uh, but there's a lot of uh, for hire cars, uh, you know, that we would oh. uh, pretty much, you know, since nobody has a car, there's always these groupings of cars in little villages where if you want to ride somewhere, you go up and you negotiate with the drivers and and get in one and they take you somewhere if you're lucky.
0: So, so is Rwanda the kind of place that, you know, you could take $5,000 and retire there?
1: You know what? I've actually looked at that. uh, And it's, it's in theory, yes. Uh, In practice, it's harder than you might think. Uh, For a couple of reasons. If you, if you try to buy real estate in Rwanda from outside Rwanda, they assume you're a wealthy investor and it costs a lot more than you would pay for it here. Like, you know, looking at like a retirement house or even like a summer house or something there, um, you're going to pay 200,000 to 300,000 US for, it'd be a similar size house to what you might get for that in Ohio. But what if but I just
0: want to build it out of rocks and cook with fire?
1: <laughs> well, it, okay, the, for that it, 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 there's a special price. But uh, some of these countries also have um, restrictions on land ownership, uh, and they don't allow foreign ownership. I know that's true in in um, in some countries. I don't know for sure how true that is in Rwanda, but that that you run into those kind of issues, you run into issues of um, you know legality, and uh, you know Rwanda has had some disturbing issues lately of. Um, Cracking down on things that we would take for granted as freedoms here in the u s uh, particularly the freedom of religion, they closed a lot of churches um, they uh you know things like that that would be a little bit of a concern uh, and healthcare to some extent, although Kigali has a couple of good hospitals, so it's it's there's some pros and cons.
0: So what other countries have you been to?
1: Um, well computer troubleshooters at its peak was in I believe thirty two countries. What? And I had visited sixteen of those, I think. Uh we computer troubleshooters started in Australia oh. with a um uh, husband and wife, Wilson and Suzanne Macorist. And uh I had my own computer business here and I started talking to them and uh we expanded uh, computer troubleshooters here to the US in ninety-nine and also expanded to New Zealand the same year. So I, I visited both of those. We expanded to the U.K. Uh, and was there several times, visited Ireland briefly once, um, Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Bahrain, uh, the Emirates, Saudi, uh, South Africa, Egypt, um, uh, uh, Portugal, Austria, Netherlands. I've lost track somewhere, but uh, a pretty good number. That's what was interesting about it was, uh, you know, so I'm going to all these different places in the world, and mostly I'm there to help people run their computer business. Uh-huh. And whatever country I was in, the computer businesses were all pretty similar. I mean, even if we didn't speak the same language, I could still help them, like, you know, do stuff on the bench or whatever. Uh, and I could still help them with their marketing, even even though the the types of marketing that worked might be very different depending on the local culture we could still adapt it pretty easily to, to what they were doing because the services are going to be the same. It's just a question of how do people here find out about new businesses? You know, what's considered rude marketing wise versus acceptable marketing wise, you know, that can be very different from country to country, but the services were the same.
0: Huh? So what was the craziest experience you had in another country? Whether it was for computer troubleshooters or, Something else
1: um, the, the the one that stands out is uh we had a uh, was it egypt pretty sure it's egypt uh, we had a um yeah we had a, a uh, conference in Egypt in uh, probably around two thousand and six two thousand and seven and know i've got a coffee mug here somewhere that has it on there and it it's a, a beautiful place wonderful country um uh, I had a couple of adventures. One, I uh, snuck out to visit an underground church, which was uh, just a very strange experience. But um, the the thing that I remember the most is we were, it it was myself and uh, Wilson and Suzanne from Australia were the founders. And then we had country directors from various different countries. There were maybe 14 of us. And uh, there's no, our concept of traffic and their concept of traffic are very different things uh their traffic lights if they have traffic lights are pretty much meaningless nobody really pays that much attention to them um and so traffic just kind of undulates in these big flows that just goes everywhere and you actually get used to it and it's, it's not bad you kind of just learn that you're responsible for whatever's in front of you and if you cut in front of somebody that's their problem you're in front of them that's that's you know they got to watch out for that uh, but I remember at some point we were in this this bus, and our driver apparently cut somebody off, and he was not happy about it. And so we're driving down the road, and, and his buddy climbs out of the back window of his car while we're driving down the highway with a stick and starts beating on the side of our, of our bus as we're going down the road uh, right next to Enda, who was the director for Ireland. And Enda's just sitting there trying to ignore the guy beating on this window with a stick as we're driving down the road. I have a very visual image of that. Um, I, I actually, my other, uh, my other fun memory of computer troubleshooters was also in the, we were in Portugal for a similar meeting and we were walking around, there's these little uh, fried pastry shops and, uh, apparently uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing this wrong, but apparently they're called Farturas because the, the sign on the shop clearly said it was neon sign, Farturas. Farturas. And we're all standing in line because it's fried bread dough. It, it tastes fantastic. And and Inda in his lovely Irish voice said, "Are you, are you really going to eat something called fart your ass?" We said, "Well, it, it tastes good." <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: I love it. All right. So, what country um, were you most? delighted like delightfully surprised by like was there one country where you kind of had one expectation and then you were like oh wow it's actually like this and it's actually pretty great or whatever
1: uh probably malaysia uh comes to mind um yeah i i knew very little about malaysia going in uh yeah i knew it was uh you know in in East Asia, and it was very wealthy, uh, and um, I, I knew that it had a lot of uh, you know kind of jungle terrain, and, and also some big cities. But I didn't really know a lot about it. Uh, but the main city, which is pretty much the only place I was, Kuala Lumpur, is just so gorgeous and so massive. I mean, it's like being in New York City, except it's a lot cleaner and a lot newer, uh, and the people are just uh, super friendly. Um, they had a really hard time with me because like you, I'm a bigger guy and Malaysians have a lot of, of, Chinese ethnicity. They are, they tend to be shorter. They tend to be smaller than Americans. And I like to buy clothes as a souvenir when I go to different places and, uh, they had a really hard time finding any clothes that would fit me. Uh, I wound up buying a shirt that I remember was a 5X, 5XL shirt in Malaysia, And it was still nowhere close to fitting me, but it was, it was closest I could get. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't even like clothes going around me, but uh, yeah. Other Uh, than that, it was, it it was a very cool place.
0: So, so a five X there is like what a one X here or something.
1: It it was closer to a small, Uh, I mean, it, it, it was way different. Yeah.
0: They're that tiny over there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's changing with modern diets. But um, like when I went to Hong Kong the first time in Hong Kong, you've got, at least back then you had two different kinds of buses. You had some modern buses and then you had kind of some older, more traditional buses and they're kind of like a trolley car looking thing. And I remember being on the trolley car and, and if I stood up, my head literally, even though I was crouched down, they had these rafters, my head would go up between the rafters and you couldn't see my face and everybody on the bus was laughing because they couldn't see my face. And it's just, you know, it's just different. It's you know. Wow. That's wow.
0: Oh huh. uh is there a country that you uh would be okay never going back to? And why? <laughs>
1: Yeah, see, that's, that's not politically correct. If I answer that question, I, I, I will say that um, the country that I swore I would never go back to for a long time was India. Uh, and in large part, I, I have decided I, I actually, uh, Bigger Brains has an office in India now, and I need to go visit those guys. But, um, and I will, and I fully intend to get over my, my uh, unhappiness with India. I just got so incredibly sick. Uh, and so mm. most of my trip to India, uh, well, two things. I remember being in the airport and having a rat run over my foot. Uh, that was a lot. Uh, and I Yikes. think, yeah, it was just, it was weird, but, um, but yeah, I just got, I got, I got, I literally, I was in India for three days and I spent two days in my hotel room, uh, trying not to die. So it was, uh, you know, wow. and that's not, that's not necessarily India's fault. That was, that was my fault.
0: I, I've heard that before about India, though, that, and I think this is, like, when when was that?
1: That was around 2007, probably.
0: Yeah, because I've, I've heard that before about India, but, uh, like, I, you know, probably a decade ago.
1: Um, I
0: feel like some things have probably changed for the better there, but I'm also sure they've got a long way to go.
1: It, with India in particular, it, it, it depends so much on where you are. I mean, India has just some immensely poor areas with you know no toilets and, and no running water. Uh, but in the major cities, uh, New Delhi is mostly where I was. Uh, Chennai is where our office is now. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's it's very modern, and it's it, apart from being extremely crowded, it's it's not that different from what we would see in a Western city. Um, you know, that the traffic again is kind of like Egypt is a little crazy. Where I messed up was, uh, I, especially back then, thought of myself as uh bulletproof. And, uh, uh I, I, I used you to have swimming
0: such... in the rivers, didn't you? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, then I wouldn't be allowed back. That'd be a whole different issue. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, uh, when I was younger, I, I had this immense, um, I, I was a very picky eater. I, I would only eat certain things. And at some point, especially with computer troubleshooters going on in all these different countries, I kind of got over that. And so it kind of became a thing that whenever I went to another country, I wanted to sample the local cuisine. Oh, no. Well, in, in India in particular, I remember that the day I arrived, uh, the director of computer troubleshooters, India, took me to a lunch buffet at a hotel. It was a holiday inn or something. It was a Western hotel because he felt it would be safest. And they had two buffets. They had...
0: Now, when you say safest, do you mean... Health wise, or health because wise. because it it doesn't have weird food wise health wise.
1: Uh, well, well, I guess kind of both. Um, it was they know that Indian food number one is is a lot spicier than American food. Uh, But also there's a lot of um, bugs, uh, you know, a lot of uh, viruses and and diseases in in India that we don't have here. And so we don't have immunity to them. Mm. And so, uh, like, for example, even and this is true in in a lot of Africa as well, even like, uh, for example, a salad is can be one of the most dangerous things to eat because they wash it in the local water. And uh, they can have parasites and viruses that our bodies just aren't used to. You know, the same if they come over here. Uh, there's stuff that we have in our you know, food supply they don't have over there. Huh. But, uh, yeah, so we went to this hotel, and they had a Western buffet and an Indian buffet. And I mostly ate the Western buffet, but I was curious, and I had some things off the Indian buffet. And I think that's what did me in. The end.
0: Interesting. There's a, there's an Indian buffet that I went to. Um, a few times and and the, it was like okay now to be clear i'm talking about like in in a city in ohio okay so right right not in india no again never been in india um but i love indian cuisine although I'm mm. i'm really picky like there are only a few dishes i love a mm. lot of the other dishes i'm mostly afraid to try <laughs> um, and not because i don't like spicy food or anything so uh chicken i think they call it chicken makhani even though it looks like it says makhani it's also okay. known as butter chicken mm. um it looks very much like um oh what's that real popular red sauce chicken A curry no or marsala Maybe. No, like in, is it Marsala Indian?
1: Yeah. I think so.
0: I don't know then. I I I it's gonna bug me now. But anyway, <laughs> it, it looks very much like um it, it looks very much like t- tikka masala. Mm-hmm. It looks like it, but for whatever reason it's it's like a different type of, of sauce. So anyway, when I order that, uh, they ask me how spicy I want it. And I typically say, I want it Indian spicy. And they say, you don't want Indian spicy. I say, yes, I do want it Indian spicy. And they bring it to me and, you know, I, I sweat the whole time I'm eating it and I love it. Um, <laughs> but but then there are other Indian dishes where, like, you know, I've got friends that I would go with and, and they'd order something and it comes out like, green and it looks like it's covered in pus and I don't know what they're eating so I just won't I won't know it has to at least look appetizing and (laughs) uh you know me me being um you know a a kid who I'm, I'm told I've got some Italian in me I I really love food with uh like spaghetti sauce so so mm. typically if it's red i'm happy with it you know so mm. so the, the butter chicken recipes or like chicken tikka masala uh i'm i'm pretty good with but when it looks like green and pussy that's where we have a problem <laughs> but uh the other thing i really like are um uh the the naan is really good like, oh yeah it, especially like when you when you go to like a really nice Indian restaurant and then they've got like different flavors, like no. that. That's where the the stuff gets exciting. Even um, and then um, uh, I can't think what they're so, samos samosas.
1: I know what you're talking about. I can't remember if that's right or not.
0: I think they're samosas. It's not the beverage. That's a mimosa. Uh, <laughs> So the samosa, it's like that little, it's a deep fried, like breaded thing. And then on the inside, it's like almost like potatoes and chickpeas and just all mashed up and delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then they had this um, really delicious sauce that I would dip it into. And I want to say it's a tamarind chutney. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that feels right. That was like my favorite thing to do to dip it in uh, even though that wasn't normally supposed to be served with it. Apparently I would just, they would, they had it on the buffet bar one day. I'm like, this is amazing. And they're like, you're weird. I'm like thank you.
1: <laughs> if it's good, it's good.
0: Yeah. It's, so it was it was like, you know, the it's like people that put ketchup on their eggs, you know, some people just like it. Right. I'm not one of those people. Um, that's weird. <laughs> but but yeah so there was this uh this indian buffet and it was like an okay indian buffet it was the price was right it was like 8 bucks mm. to to get the lunch buffet and then one day they closed and then 3 4 months later they opened up another indian buffet there but it's a new name mm. and um the the one time i went there i was so disgusted i called the um I can't the, the food police, the, the health department. They oh, wow. they had food out on the buffet and it's like cold. And that's a big no no. I'm not talking like, talk,
1: it's not like I'm, I'm food ta- that's supposed to be cold.
0: No, no, it was like they had their chicken out and it was like eighty oh. degrees cold.
1: Hmm.
0: Like it was really, really disgusting. So I was like, this is just, I I left. I called the health department. I felt like crap for three days after that. Um, mm. And they're still open today. I don't get it. <laughs> they're still open, Chip. What what happened?
1: Yeah, it, it's it, so you can get bad food anywhere. Uh, I know. It, it, it I know. The, most, I, yeah, the 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 flip side of it, the the best food I ever had uh, was in Rwanda, and I I I don't like fish. I I don't know why, but I've I've never been a fish guy, and uh, I, I have, it's a buddy of mine that um, lives in Rwanda. He's Rwandan. That's why he lives in Rwanda. And he took me to this restaurant. It was literally it was a hut on a lake, and there was nobody there except for me and John and this cook, and we're just sitting in chairs by this lake, and uh, the guy comes over and takes our order. I don't speak the language. I didn't know what he ordered. Uh, And the guy comes out with a fish, and it's like a whole fish, eyeballs, tail, the whole thing, fried. And it's probably like 18 inches long. I mean, it's huge. Uh, And it's like no no plates, no silverware. You just kind of pick pieces off the fish and and eat it. It was delicious. It was the best fish I've ever had. Uh, I I almost want to go back to Rwanda just for that fish. But, uh, yeah, so you you never know where it's going to surprise you.
0: Nope. Hard pass. (laughs) hard pass so (laughs) oh man uh is is that like out of all the places you've gone all the food you've eaten is that fish the one that you uh dream about the most
1: (laughs) i i don't have a lot of food dreams (laughs) but uh um yeah probably in terms of like specific uh food uh, you know that, that was uh in terms of food just delicious, yeah just it, delicious it food i had some food nightmares by other places but but yeah in terms of, of good food that that uh, I, I think we discussed those too <laughs> <laughs> We discussed some of them the hong kong pigeon was also up there but uh Ooh. yeah the um now I, yeah, the weird thing is most of the, most of my favorite travel food stories involve fish now that i think about it even though i don't like fish we, had, we also had a fantastic fish in portugal one time but uh yeah who knew
0: that's really cool so um hong kong Back when you went, all was right with Hong Kong and everyone's happy.
1: It, yeah, it was post. it was post uh, unification, so it was it was two thousand and three, two thousand and four, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, it was a lovely place, uh, very clean. I wasn't there very long, uh, just a couple of days. I, I tended to do these uh, to save money and because I was a masochist. Apparently, uh, I, you can buy these round the world tickets. Where if it's on the same group of carriers, you basically pay one price for the ticket no matter how many stops you make, as long as you keep going the same direction around the globe. And so if I knew I was going to have to be like in Australia for a computer troubleshooters conference, because I usually went over there every year, um, I would look at, okay, well, if I, go to Austra- if I go to New Zealand and then Australia, and then maybe I can go to Hong Kong and then maybe India. And then you know, I would kind of go around the globe that way. And so I'd have these trips where I would have like two weeks or three weeks where I'm just visiting like seven countries. So it's it's it was stupid. In retrospect, I'm I'm in each country for two days, uh, just barely time enough to you know get caught up on the time zone, not even. But uh, yeah, that that was yeah, my my one memory of Hong Kong is is meeting the guys there and uh, uh, eating uh, pigeon at uh, at whatever restaurant it was that, that George took me to.
0: helps if I I unmute how I I've always wanted to go over to to Asia um you know I'm I'm the dumb American who says you know I love Chinese food uh no you don't but I I bet it's (laughs) nothing like over there huh
1: No, I well and, and my one not computer troubleshooters related travel story my wife and I um adopted it's not the right word uh we have what we call our Chinese daughter who is a um Chinese exchange student that came to live with us in uh, eighth grade, I think, or ninth grade. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. And, and stayed through uh, the end of high school. So she, and she was the same age as our daughter, actually a year older than our daughter. So they kind of grew up together uh, through those high school years, went to school together. Um, and then she actually, she's in Ohio now, she's at OSU. Uh, and uh, she always wanted us to come visit her family. And last summer, we finally had the chance to do it. So we we spent a week, maybe eight days in China. uh, And her dad was so happy we were coming. He was determined to show us the entire country in eight days, which I don't know if you know this, but China, it's kind of a big country. China's kind of huge. Yeah. Like to to try and do
0: that in eight, I, I feel like that's trying to say, I'm going to show you the United States in eight days. Like it can't be done.
1: Yeah, no. It, especially
0: but, with how diverse the U.S. is, I suspect China is equally diverse as you go to different parts of the country.
1: Very true. Very true. So he he, he wore us out for the first three or four days, uh, and then realized we were kind of falling apart from exhaustion, and, and he went easier <laughs> on us. But we did get to see some really great things, and, and uh, you know, had some great food, uh, saw a lot of amazing things. It was uh, it, it was a good time.
0: That's amazing, man. I I love hearing about um other countries and traveling i love speaking to people that are in other countries just to learn more about them uh the the country and the people uh but it's it's just so interesting even even my canadian friends um there's a a spot in canada where for a while they were selling and they might still they sold milk in bags
1: i've heard about that yeah
0: Bagged milk. Why would you do that? So, <laughs> so it, it's um, it's just so interesting, you know, talking to to people from other places. the The thing that I think is the most frustrating about all of these conversations, though, is why why can't they just use our measuring system? Obviously, it's better. <laughs>
1: uh. Um, yeah. It's harder.
0: It's harder to hack our measuring system, Chip. You don't. You don't <laughs> just. You know, multiply or divide by ten. You have to. You have to be smarter. You, you can't hack the imperial or empirical or whatever it's called uh, uh, measurement system.
1: Well, I, th- that's why the Chinese are so bad at math. Uh, it, it's because they don't understand the. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> I thought
0: they yeah. were really good at
1: math. Yeah, that, that's pretty much true. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think anyone from a country that all you have to do is multiply or divide by ten—I I think they're all experts at math, you know.
1: Yeah, compared to what we have to do, yeah. And, and somehow the metric system took for soft drinks because they come in two-liter bottles, but not for milk. It still comes in gallons. We right. Americans kind of went part way and stopped.
0: Well, we we did though. We we started, I think, the process of converting over to metric.
1: And we did, yeah.
0: And then we kind of changed our minds. And I'll be honest, I wish that we had done it- you know before I was born now now I would absolutely hate it because I don't know what I'm doing um but yeah i I do wish that we had done it because it would have made things so much easier um yeah, so I, much easier
1: i i I have the hardest time uh when I'm in another country and somebody's describing something to me in meters or kilometers, I have <laughs> no frame of reference for what that is. You know, they could tell me a store was 10 meters away and I'm like, well, that'll be a couple of days getting there. You know, I, I, I just can't, I can't do that math.
0: <laughs> and, and every now and then I have to go, Alexa, how many miles are in a kilometer? <laughs> 1.61 kilometers is one mile
1: see and then i would still do the math backwards and i would try to put 1.6 miles in a kilometer at some point
0: well okay, okay here's here's a good way to to think of it um right right now the canadian dollar is doing terribly so if if you were to convert uh us dollars to canadian that's also like converting miles to kilometers does that help <laughs>
1: <laughs> so when the canadian dollar is doing better things get closer together
0: yeah things. so suddenly you're going so much faster <laughs> oh man chip this was uh this was a great time do you do you have any anything you'd like to add to to any of the people out there
1: I just hope everybody stays safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, do whatever you got to do, but uh, hang in there. We'll get through it.
0: Absolutely. Guys, check out Bigger Brains on YouTube. And you can also go to their website, getbiggerbrains.com. Uh, Chip uh, earlier said that he his company has graciously allowed the Microsoft Teams Essentials. There's about an hour of training there. It's all free. It's on YouTube. You don't even have to give them your email address or sign up for anything. Um, it's all it's all right there. Um, I also know that you guys have a really great MSP program. Uh, so as an MSP you can sign up. You can resell bigger brains uh, to your clients. Uh, you can also purchase it and use it for yourself. Um, do you, Do you also do something for msps where they get like an uh, like an nFR or anything like that so they can
1: yeah I was going to say that i 've talked to a lot of msps who are who are kind of caught off guard by this whole you know pandemic work from home thing and mm-hmm. they you know, there's a lot of folks that get busy and they just they don't get around the stuff that they mean to do. I mean, I do that for a lot of stuff. Sure. And if you're not up to speed on Microsoft Teams or you're not up to speed on Office 365, heaven forbid, uh, any MSP can sign up at BiggerMSP.com and you get a free NFR. You can take all of our courses for free. You can even share that login with your techs and let all your techs, uh, you know, take those courses for free. Um, it, wonderful. It, it, definitely worth getting up to speed, especially on Teams uh, right now, because that is such a huge Solution for what a lot of our clients are dealing with in terms of trying to to migrate towards working from home.
0: Wonderful. Well, well, thank you for that, Chip. And uh, for those of you that are running an MSP and just need that that extra that extra something to to take your business to the next level, check out RocketMSP.io. Uh, I run peer groups there where we can either meet weekly or monthly, whatever works better for you. And um, you know, I, I I help you with uh giving you homework to take your business a little inch by inch, you know, kinda like the, kinda like how you eat that elephant, right? One bite at a time. Um <laughs> or, or that fish in Hong Kong, um, <laughs> one, one bite at a time. But yeah, you know, we, we just take little small micro changes and over time your, your business just gets better and better. And then, you know, I also help you stay accountable, um, by checking in on you and making sure you're actually making the changes and doing the things that you said you were going to do. So, uh, check that out and just keep watching these podcasts. Thanks so much, Chip.
1: Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you having me on. My
0: pleasure. See you all at the next podcast. Take care, guys.